Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC football with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com or call our voice line is six, uh, excuse me, it's 424 254 9141. You can leave a voicemail there or you can even text us there at 424-254-9141. Send us a text question. Call us if you want to leave a, a voicemail question. We're going to listen to one today from down in SEC country and we got email questions as well. So a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, we are on, if you want to follow the podcast uh, or subscribe to it, we are on iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. That's our dedicated URL, but we're also on Google Play and Stitcher and Audio Boom and uh, TuneIn Radio, um, all the different podcasting hosts. Uh, you can find the Peristyle Podcast there. And if you find one that we're not on, just email me, let me know, and I'll make sure we get put on that as well. We're going into our 10th football season, which is crazy here on the Peristyle Podcast. We've been doing this for a long time, and Coach Harvey Hyde's been there along the way. What is up, Coach? How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It was a great weekend. I had a chance to run around a lot. See a lot of friends, have fun. I was down uh, in Long Beach for a surprise birthday party for a friend on Saturday afternoon and then off to the Rose Bowl for the U2 concert. Had a great time there. Ran into so many different people. It's amazing what a following they had. The executive director from the Orange Bowl was there, Eric Palms. Then I had a chance to meet the uh, the Southeastern Conference uh, Commissioner, Greg Stanky. We had a great talk about different things uh, regarding uh, college football and athletics. Just, it's, uh, what a fun. The South, uh, ESPN had, uh, Joanne was there from ESPN who does all the bookings on what games they're going to select from each conferences to broadcast. And I, you know, wanted to ask her how they go about doing that. So it was a very interesting night as far as the sports celebrities and celebrities that were there at the Rose Bowl. But then the concert and all of that was absolutely fabulous. And what a production. I was amazed. I just sat there and I said, how do they put this all together? How do they make it all work? But it was a fantastic evening. Sunday I was down in your home city there, Manhattan Beach, for the uh, uh, fundraiser for uh, pancreatic cancer. It was great to be down there. They had all kinds of people spinning. had a nice talk with Coach Clay Helton. That was great. And it's just one of those great weekends. Uh, and now we're back at Monday. We're charging again, and Memorial Day weekend is coming up with the Indianapolis 500. I don't know how many people have been to that race, uh, but I've been to that race. It's one of those things you have to go to. You have to go to a Rose Bowl game. You have to go to a Super Bowl. You have to go to the Kentucky Derby. You have to go to the Indianapolis 500. The Brickyard. I'll tell you, that's, uh, I watch it every uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's fun. I watch qualifying this weekend. Scott Dixon got the pole. So uh, I don't know how much uh, you follow that or other people follow it, but uh, once a year I watch a complete Indianapolis, uh, complete uh, Indy car race. The Indianapolis 500. Yeah, I've never been there. It'd be a fun. That's a bucket list thing. It'd be fun to go check that out. I don't know a lot about car racing, but 
it'd be fun to go see. I got to see my first NASCAR race this year, which was cool. Um, and I'm glad you had a good time at, at U2. Uh, my wife was actually down there. It's uh, the Tour de Strand. They a bunch of people riding bikes. Uh, you know, raising money for cancer research. And my wife was on a team, uh, riding while I was up in Oakland covering the, uh, the opening Oakland regional event. Um, but yeah, she was down there and got to talk to Clay Helton, um, who was down there. He's riding the bike and handed, she said he was handing out roses to people. So it was kind of cool. So he, he was, he was, he was. and yeah. I asked him, I said, how'd you get that money in your budget? He laughed. He said, we found a little bit for this. <laughs> and there was a couple of players that were dressed in their uniforms, handing out roses. It, it was great. It was just a great afternoon, and what a beautiful day, man! Uh, it's a lot of pain living there, Ryan. You got to—you must yeah. have to be real painful having to live down there. It's rough. It's rough here in the South Bay. Uh, but it was hot. It was like the hottest day of the year, I think, so far. One of them, and so my wife, right? You know, she had to ride the bike for. I think I think they were riding like hour shifts, and uh, it was long. You know, so she was like hot out there, and uh, but it was a great cause, and it seemed like a lot of people came out and supported it and uh you too i saw that all over social media people like going crazy over that and i know you got your tickets through southern california tickets so if you need tickets for any kind of concert anyone else out there some kind of concert coming up or sporting event or anything uh go to sctickets.com southern california tickets they help out me and coach harvey hyde they can help out you too uh 1-800-888-7287 is the number or go to sctickets.com uh, but yeah it was a uh, my weekend wasn't as fun with the, you know, covering a, a high school camp thing isn't, isn't always the greatest. It was kind of hot up there in Oakland and some of, some of the people that were supposed to be there didn't show up. So it was kind of like, eh, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest, but, um, you know, covering football. Those are first world problems, coach. If you're, if you're covering football and, and something doesn't go exactly right. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, you don't score on every play either, you know, so don't worry about it. Everything, you're on top of your game, and that's what you do. That's what we do. Uh, well, we had a few questions, too, but I wanted to, a little kind of housekeeping stuff. So we got some more information about what's going to go on this summer uh, as far as USC goes. So just let people know um, they've really cut back on the number of player-run practices. Uh, so... Remember, we didn't cover anything in the winter and they didn't really do anything official. Um, you know, there might have been a couple guys throwing here or there. And usually in the summer, they do a lot more. And it's kind of fun because we get to go out and watch, uh, some of the, uh, when the freshmen come in and the freshmen are starting to arrive and all that. Well, they've cut it down. There's going to be only six, uh, player run practices, PRPs, uh, this summer. Uh, that'll be open to the media. They'll, they'll probably, I'm guessing coach, they might throw a little bit some other times, but we're not exactly sure. Uh, they've kind of kept that quiet, but you know, there'll be four in June and a couple in July. So there'll only be six of those this year. So there's definitely a, a change from what we've seen in years past where they, they could do, you know, 15 of them or something. Uh, they're not going to do as many. So we'll be out there for those starting in June. Um, and we know when fall camp is tentatively supposed to start. It's going to be in July, uh, for the first time that I can remember in a while, July 29th. So not, not as maybe early as you might have thought, but you know, July 29th is certainly earlier. And the media days for the Pac 12 will be July 26th and 27th. So that shouldn't be any kind of conflict with USC. Uh, we'll see though, because I know, you know, that they've had these dates, uh, you know, kind of scheduled for a while for Pac 12 media day coach. I believe there's other, uh, Pac 12 programs that have earlier games. Uh, maybe like the Thursday or something before the opening weekend where USC plays on Saturday that should be in fall camp, uh, during Pac-12 media day. So 
there might be, you know, we'll see. There'll be some kind of interesting uh, rearranging or, or maybe teams don't show up to Pac-12 Media Day because they have to start fall camp. I'm not exactly sure, Coach, but it's uh, it's cutting it really close now that you can't have two days in fall camp, so they're moving fall camp start date up, and Pac-12 Media Day kind of moved a little later. Uh, there's a little collision course there, I guess. Well, there will be a probably. I, I'm not sure just who is playing. Uh, right now, I haven't looked at schedule. I know UCLA plays on a Sunday, and uh, everybody else is playing on a Saturday. But there might be someone. I haven't searched the schedule, so I can't help you with that, Ryan. I don't know if anybody's playing early or not, but it certainly is close to the beginning of practice. It, it really is. And coaches really don't like that because it's sort of cramping the, their style. And I don't know if they're going back to, as they've done in the past, back to Bristol to be back there to promote it too. So it's really uh, close to the opening day of practice. And I know as coach, as a coach myself, I like to have a little bit of time there in between uh, where we, when we really get started. You know, I used to give the kids off a couple of days and the coaches a couple of days off just to sort of recover and be ready to get on the field and be ready to go. And I really like that idea as far as not having as many days on the field. You've heard me talk about that as far as burnout the number of workouts you have. You want to have your kids ready and want to practice, not tired of practicing. So I think that's a good thing, too, they're doing at USC. Yeah, I definitely think it's a, a good thing there. Um, but I, they'll probably have to change the, the media day kind of stuff, how it goes going forward. Just you can't have it that late with people starting and stuff. So this is all, you know, no. with the rule changes, new stuff uh, going on. And I know you're not a huge fan of, players burning themselves out on player run practices so you're probably not upset to see uh kind of a cutback there on on doing those player run practices oh i think it's great you guys have heard me talk about that all the time as far as letting kids have some time let them have their summers a little bit let them be a regular student athlete just a regular student to be with their families be with their friends just be smart on what you do and don't injure yourself running in the sand or doing something different but I think that people need a little bit of time away from people. And then all of a sudden they look forward in seeing each other again. Sometimes, you know, you see each other so often you don't appreciate each other. So I think there's some moments that you need to have a little separation as far as you get together for a long, long season. Well, let's uh, jump into the questions, Coach. Um, Tarek, we'll start off with him. He says, I know you're not a big fan of player substitutions, but with no bye week, uh, won't the Trojans have to do more of it than in the past? What do you think, Coach? Well, I don't know. Uh, first of all, I'm going to play my best players because they get better. And I've got to remember today there isn't anything as a cinch win or there isn't anything as far as being in front too far. You see the turnabouts uh, uh, that happen in college football. Teams are up by 21 points at halftime and end up losing. I think you have to, you get better by playing the game of football. And right now in practice, they don't let you hit that much. So you really don't get the chance to get your timing down and be a unit and do the things that are necessary to get better. Because every week you've got to get better. You've got a better opponent coming up and, and they might be playing their guys when you're not playing your guy. So you've got to play your guys so that they have the confidence of feeling good about themselves, the timing of what they do on offense and defense, you get it on 
tape so you can get better doing that. But I also think it's very important, too, to bring players along so that if somebody goes down, that they're available and they do have some uh, game experience to be able to come in and, and fill a hole for you. So I think you've got to know there's a fine line of doing too much and there's a fine line of doing not enough. So I think that you as a coach have got to have a feeling on just where you are with your football team, on how they should play, and and uh, the weather conditions, of course, and the timing and what you're trying to do to develop your team to be a conference champion, to be ready for the next week, to be able to win this football game, to be able to feel good about your performance, to not take your players out too early where they really don't condition themselves. So when they do have to play a four-quarter football game, and when it is a close football game, when both units, the number one units, are playing their hearts out to see who's going to win this game or even go overtime. So you've got to get conditioned to playing football, and you don't get conditioned to playing football by watching or just running sprints or doing the weight room. You get conditioned to the game as it goes along. So I think it's important to bring your backup players along, especially if they're somewhat equal. You've got to develop them, but not at the expense of possibly losing a game. All right, thanks for uh, that question, Tarek. Um, we're going to go to our buddy Brian in uh, Birmingham. We have a couple of Southern questions today. Um, Brian in Birmingham, he says, Today's question uh, pertains to the type of defense that Clancy Pendergast runs. Uh, I'm not sure if you all have covered this before, but I was wondering if Coach Hyde could elaborate a little on this 5-2 formation. It's been in my mind for a while, uh, but just looking at it, with the players they had lined up last year, it really looks like a modified 3-4 with Cam and Michael in the middle and Porter and Uchenna off the edge playing a stand-up defensive end. I don't expect USC to change defenses anytime soon. But with the players we have coming in, for simplicity's sake, uh, wouldn't that be? Uh, wouldn't that have been an option playing in the Pac-12? We almost never use a five-man front. I remember the the 4-3 Tampa two that Lane and his father used. Then came Justin Wilcox and his multiple front that changed on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I could be completely wrong in my assessment, just looking uh, to be taken into the mindset of our defensive coordinator and be properly educated on what I'm seeing on Saturdays. Fight on, Brian in Birmingham. Brian in Birmingham, Birmingham you're right. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, you adjust to what you know and you play the defense that fits your schemes and, the, and your personnel. And uh, basically, that's what the two stand-up ends do. They play like stand-up uh, uh, 50 defensive ends. Uh, they rush, they drop, and most of the time they're putting pressure, and they do have coverage responsibilities. And the two inside guys is, are your forces as far as uh, to the inside run to keep the offensive lineman off your linebackers. And you have an extra linebacker in the game or a cover guy in the game because the offenses have forced you to do that with the extra receivers of throwing the football. So you basically it's not as much as a heavy run type of offense. You've got to be able to stop the run, but you also have to be able to defend on the pass because of the extra receivers and the one remaining back that they're playing now in college football. So you have to really add another cover guy into your scheme that basically is a cover guy and also a run guy. So you got to get a great athlete that can play that type of position and really do a great job of doing it, like Suva Craven and these different type of guys who played at USC and other universities. So you're right, and uh, you've always heard me say that the outside guys have got to contain. They've got to keep everything to the inside. You can't let them 
break down and get outside of you, force it all back to the inside, inside to your down guys, inside to your linebackers that can come up and make the play. And then again, you've got to be real smart, especially when you play that athletic quarterback who can run the quarterback draw or spread the complete offense on you and isolate you. But you basically don't have a guy, the defensive quarterback. And when the quarterback is really uh, an athletic uh, individual, then basically they're playing with 12 guys. So you've got to be really careful on the way you spy him and the way you take that quarterback at least out of the game or stop him at the line of scrimmage where you don't allow him to get big plays. That's why you've got to keep it to the inside. You can't allow him to run all around and make great plays on the run where you can't cover all the time. So I think basically that's the best way to explain it. The offenses have forced the defense philosophy to change because of the great skilled athletes that they're playing on offense and because of the opening now of the quarterback as far as an athlete and also the third receiver now that they never had before and sometimes four receivers most of the time yeah it's and i you know it's funny coach um i we had a question kind of similar to this on dan weber's podcast and for just being around clancy pendergast it seems like it's something he's going to fit to the personnel where there's a lot of two down linemen that we saw most of last year was mostly like the nickel kind of formation but there's a you know there's a a, the depth that defensive line has been uh you know improved dramatically you might see more down linemen maybe they're doing the same you know position uh you know you could give them the same name but there it's going to be a different sort of look it seems like he's kind of it's not like this is a set in stone thing he'll just kind of adapt to what uh the personnel he has and how he fits in and it's really the the players that he trusts to play um, that he try, okay, I trust this guy to go in there. I'd rather have him in there than someone else who might be more of a true whatever it is in that position, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying, and I do agree you do have more depth at the defensive line. And I think you will see more of a three-man front. I think one thing you've always heard me say, as long as you keep the offensive lineman and the offense thinking about what defense you're going to run and what you could possibly do out of that defense, you've got an advantage because they have to think rather than play. And if you come after people, I've always said you got to have fun on defense. You've got to attack on defense. you got to be uh, making the play, swarm to the football, make big plays, get create turnovers, and that changes the momentum of a game. So I think on defense you can have fun by giving them different looks, shifting your defensive line, shifting your linebackers around, making them go on color where they can't all the time or on the first counts where they can't audibleize much and let the coach uh, stop it, and they change it, and they bring it in, then shift your defense again. All of that creates a moment of thought on the offensive side of the football with the defensive line and with the quarterback. And if one guy makes a mistake, you make a play. And I think that's where the momentum of the football game is. Hey, you know, you always hear about defense wins championships. Well, if you have a great defensive football team that's really performing and there's a lot of momentum and confidence on your football team, because you have confidence that they'll go in and change the game and give you great field position, get a turnover, do something spectacular that'll bring the momentum back to your side where you can still win that football game, just like in the Rose Bowl. The end of that Rose Bowl game, yes, uh, Arnold was doing a great job, Sam, but how about the play McCray did a couple times in a row there and made that interception? Without that interception, Sam Darnold couldn't have made that play or couldn't have driven down the field for the winning touchdown. So when you have that type of confidence in your defense and the defense can make big plays for you 
then you've got that little level of uh, uh, of feeling that we're never out of a game. All right, let's. Uh, we got one last topic, Coach, and it's a voicemail question. Uh, a little long, but I'll play it for you and kind of get your thoughts. Here you go. What's going on, Ryan? It's the Cattleman in Tennessee. Hey, man, been listening to the podcast, I guess, since the start of last uh, football season. Kind of a disaffected Tennessee fan. think the Trojans are cool. T. Martin Angle and really been enjoying the podcast. Uh, quickly, I want to give you a pro and a con for USC football. See how you react to this list real quick. Pros for USC. Sam Darnold. Great year last year. Recruiting's looking great. USC tradition and the power of Los Angeles. World-class city. more I listen, the more I hear problems, though. Let's talk about a bunch of cons. Clueless president, this Nikias joker that could stop the stupid stadium idea. That's the guy with one stroke of the pen who could stop the uh, renovation. Pat Hayden's a clown. I think you'd agree with me, the more you look at him, the worse he looks. He should have been fired on the tarmac instead of Kiffin. Bothering referees on the sideline. Lynn Swan. Another ex-jock. Who knows how he'll be as an AD, all he's ever been on TV. Bad stadium renovation plan. Perhaps it's an obsolete stadium overall. L.A. conservatory is a disaster. Skyboxes sky need to be on top of the stadium. Uh, Coach Hyde saying there's bad alumni relations with the, uh, the uh, moving people around and kids getting into school. Um, Clay Helton looking good, but he's still a very young football coach. Who knows how that will shake out. And, of course, the more I listen, the more it sounds like the Pac-12 is a terribly run conference, probably only uh, ahead of the uh, Big 12. Why in the world would uh, a USC want to link up with uh, uh, the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma and Texas? The Big 12 is a disaster. Uh, love you and your guests and just curious about these thoughts. Uh, fight on and listen every time. Well, thank you. And I'll tell you what, uh, at one time in my life, I was doing like the game of the week in the color, and I went down to uh, Tennessee to do the Tennessee-Alabama game. What great people. I'm telling you, that stadium is absolutely fabulous. And when that dog comes charging out of the tunnel and the team follows that dog, man, is that something special. And the river right there and the tailgating, and uh, it was just a great experience for me. Every car that came to the stadium had the flags on their car and it was great. So I want you to know uh, you're in the right conference as far as uh, the Southeastern Conference. And earlier you heard me say I had an opportunity to meet your commissioner this past weekend, uh, Greg Stanky, and what a great guy he is and uh, what he's doing with the Southeastern Conference. The first thing I did was congratulate him as far as what a great conference you have down there. And also I said, when do you get your $20 million bonus like Jim Delaney's getting? How did that happen? He laughed like heck. He says, hey, man, I'm just in my second year. I'm just happy to be here. But uh, you do have a great traditional uh, conference. I've done a lot of your games down there, and and uh, football football is life in the Southeastern Conference. And, and as you said, Los Angeles is a huge city. When you talk about football in Southern California in the L.A. area, you've got the Rams, you've got the Chargers, you've got the Trojans, you've got UCLA. That's four selections of teams that you can go to on any given weekend in Southern California. So uh, the Pac-12 is a great conference, too. Don't get me wrong. I think it's the most underrated conference, and I agree with you on the Pac, uh, the Big 12 conference as far as where it's headed. I think the Pac-12 conference uh, doesn't get the television uh, 
coverage it really deserves. Most of its games are on late in the afternoon, and you people down there in the, in the south or the east coast, it's bedtime before they come on television. USC, of course, is a great traditional school, and let's face it, Sam Darnold is something special. Sam Darnold, uh, uh, people ask me who's going to replace Sam Darnold, and I always say nobody because it's impossible to replace a, a player like that. What you try to do is find another way to win around the quarterback that you have. But he has done a lot for Coach Helton. Coach Helton has done a lot for USC. Coach Helton is a tremendous person, and I want to see him be very successful because everybody likes him. Uh, and, and I think it's important that you like the person you cheer for. Because not only do you want the team to win, you want he to win. Because he's the person that doesn't say no to being at a public appearance or being somewhere or, or, or speaking to kids or signing autographs. Hey, this guy doesn't walk away. He accepts it. He understands what public relations is, and he is somebody that you want to see be successful. As far as the athletic directorship with Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan, Pat Hayden came in, came in from a different walk of life as far as uh, doing different things, as far as in real estate, financial advisement, and all these different things, and got to USC as the athletic director, and he learned on the job. He thought it was going to be an easy job, and it's not an easy job to be a successful athletic director. Hey, you have to know what you're doing. You have to know how to work with coaches. You have to know the NCAA rules. And as you mentioned, uh, going to the sideline to assist Steve Sarkeesian during that game was a, a big mistake on his fi- uh, part, was fined $25,000. And when you pay somebody $2 million a year or more, he should be able to handle his sideline uh, controversies with the officials and so on. So he learned on the job. He did some things well. He did some things not so well. And he went out in a different type of light that uh, probably he anticipated and uh, didn't close his career at USC the way that uh, he probably wanted it to close. Lynn Swan was the president's choice. Uh, I don't know how many people were involved in the search committee and hiring Lynn Swan, but the president takes credit for hiring Lynn Swan. Uh, obviously, he has been not a part of a university. He did not learn as being an assistant AD or working with uh, public relations at a university or did he know what the NCAA rules were before coming to UC, uh, USC? I don't, I don't believe so. But I hope he's the type of guy that listens to people like Steve Lopes, that listens to people that surround him, that he respects. And I think he respects Steve Lopes like all of us uh, do. He's the senior associate athletic director. And a lot of people felt he should have been the athletic director at USC. So the more he listens rather than dictates, I think the better off his success will be at USC. So it's a little early to make those type of decisions, but he certainly hasn't had a great year as far as his first year as athletic director, as far as the Rose Bowl, the basketball team's been successful, the lacrosse team, the soccer teams, the water polo teams, all of the teams, track and field teams, both of them took second place in the NCAAs. It goes on and on and on and on. So his first year as far as at USC athletically has been a great success. Now, anything more than that, uh, I don't know, and I'll be able to uh, maybe tell you more next time. Yeah, like uh, thanks, Cattleman. It's funny. You get, uh, my wife's a, you know, I'm sure he knows, a big Tennessee fan, and she loves seeing the, the team run out through the tee coach, so uh, I'm sure he yeah, enjoys yeah. that too. 
uh, what's, what's yeah, smoking. I love that. Don't you love that? It's it's definitely it's a it's a fun environment down there. I mean, some of the games I went to were late Fulmer times when it wasn't as uh, they weren't as enthusiastic, like kind of when he was on his way out and stuff. But uh, I've I've seen some real good ones. Lane Kiffin, I saw Lane Kiffin as a coach beat Georgia. That was a big one. And uh, my wife cried after they beat South Carolina a couple of years ago, and they, South Carolina was ranked. And um, it was yeah, but they they just got to get the coaching stuff right. I'm not sure what's going to go on with Butch Davis. Uh, but we'll see. He has to have a good um, Butch Jones. Sorry, I called him Butch Davis. Butch Jones. <laughs> yeah, but Butch Oops. Jones. That's all right. My bad there. Uh, but Everybody knew what you meant. That's what I. I, I always screw up everything too. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some interesting uh, points in there. And it's funny. I got an email, Coach. Um, we've had a lot of questions about the uh, Coliseum renovations, and uh, you know, and Dan and I have been really on a soapbox about. You know, we don't think it's a good idea. And someone was, you know, uh, I think it was Reggie. He, he's like, are you guys benefiting by not having them build the tower? And I, I told him, I sent him an email and I'll just let people know. No, man, if they build this tower, like with the marble staircases and stuff, that's where the press box is going to be. We're going to be in the tower, you know? So we'd be in like this luxurious, you know, one percenter building. Um, so it's not like I, you know, That'll be a nice if we're, if they build the tower. I'm like, oh, we'll be in this uh, beautiful, uh, building closer to the field and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think it's the right thing for the Coliseum. I don't want to see that there. Um, so no, that, yeah, I would personally gain, I guess you could say on game day, uh, if they, <laughs> if they built this tower, but we still get a lot of emails about it. And now with the, uh, the United Airlines, uh, reported sponsorship for $70 million. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but. Um, who knows? Maybe that'll throw a wrench into things and maybe they'll reconsider. I'm just not sure at this point. I don't think the, the $70 million United Airlines sponsorship or naming rights is going to have anything to do with the Coliseum itself as far as the physical structure. I think that's just going to help as far as toward, towards the renovation, uh, towards the uh, Coliseum. Uh, you know, I have mixed emotions on that. I had mixed emotions when the Rose Bowl. Uh, did that and the way they worded it it really didn't bother me as much it says like the rose bowl presented to you by it wasn't the uh you know the first uh name of it and like a lot of people call their bowl games uh, whatever sponsorship they have that's what it is and i think it's going to be very delicate on how the uh usc uh administration and united airlines work out the exact wording of how you don't lose the tradition of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and United Airlines. I think it's going to be very, very important on how that comes about and where that naming is and how the announcers on radio and television present it and all of the above. Because I think there's a lot of pride and a lot of history in the Coliseum. So I'm sure they're taking a, a, a lot of time and figuring out exactly what that how they're going to name that i think it's very important on that money's important but it's also traditions important too ryan yeah it certainly is all right well we'll uh we'll wrap it up here for today's show uh again we'll play it on we're gonna i think we're gonna have gerard on do a recruiting show because we were both up in oakland for the opening and a uh, bunch of questions for dan weber too so we'll probably jump in on some of those so I'll look for a couple more shows this week maybe i'll look for some special guests uh I'm still doing this remodel, Coach, so things get a little busy, but I'll, I'll make sure we get in some shows. But thanks for taking some time out of your busy day and uh, joining us on the Peristyle Podcast. Again, Ryan, take care, everybody out there. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll be back with you next week.
Sounds good. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed today's edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.